0: Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast with your host, Brad Johnson. Brad's the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, the largest independent insurance brokerage company in the U.S. He's also a regular contributor to Investment News, the Wall Street Journal, and other industry publications. Welcome to the Elite Advisor Blueprint, the podcast for world-class financial advisors. I'm Brad Johnson, VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, and it's my goal to distill the best ideas and advice from top dot leaders and apply it to the world of independent financial advising. Today's episode is another one in our special virtual financial advisor series. This is a conversation that I originally live-streamed just over a month ago, directly into our private Facebook group. And really the idea for this series and community was born out of just the need to help all of you advisors out there who are trying to navigate what's become a very virtual world. And we've all worked to adapt our businesses to this current COVID-19 environment. So if you'd like to get access to these live stream conversations as they happen, with the ability for access to live Q&A with our guests, visit bradleyjohnson.com and there is a button right at the top of the page to join close to 1,000 advisors now from all over the world that are working to serve their clients without the requirement of having to meet with them face-to-face. Also, as an aside, many past guests like LinkedIn expert Joshua B. Lee, master storyteller and Campfire Effect founder Chris Smith are active members in the group as well. So just a great resource of top high-level thinkers are part of the community. And this brings me to today's guest. I'm talking to Simon Bowen. Simon joined this conversation all the way from Australia and is the creator of the Models Method and one of the world's foremost experts on how to create visual sales diagrams and models. In almost 15 years in this business, this was one of the three most impactful coaching sessions I've ever been a part of. And for you advisors, I've heard this commonly referred to as whiteboard or smart board presentations over the years. But basically, Simon covers the idea of how to illustrate something that is complex with the simplicity of drawing it out. From my experience, there are few things more complex than how a financial advisor actually explains what it is they do. And besides working in our space, Simon has worked with leading digital marketers, CEOs, speakers, and consultants to help them truly understand their businesses, what they sell, and how to help their ideal clients understand it in a simple conversation. Simon has also led all of his sales conversations via Zoom for years, making his experience especially valuable right now, as I've heard from many of you that you're trying to quickly play catch-up by learning how to run a digital practice on the fly. Today, Simon joins the podcast to share his proven framework for leading highly effective digital meetings with clients all over the world. Also, make sure to catch this, if you normally listen to just the audio version of this podcast, I strongly advise that you go watch today's episode over on our YouTube channel or via our private Facebook group, both of which are linked in the show notes below, or it can be found easily at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 78 directly in the show notes for this episode. You'll want to watch this on video as over the course of our discussion, Simon shares a number of the visuals from his iPad, screen shares them. He creates the diagrams, he walks the advisors, he walks all of you through the visual frameworks he coaches on, and in his words, you're going to miss out on 83% of the context, aka the percentage of information your brain processes visually of this episode without the visual aids. So definitely go watch the video version of this episode, for as Simon puts it, you'll understand why, quote, drawing draws you in, end quote. Also, as an aside, just since this episode was live-streamed, I've had two different conversations with advisors that have actually used the future framework model Simon shares at the end of the conversation with success, including an awesome conversation with Morten, an advisor all the way from Sweden, who watched the live stream, used this framework in a conversation with a $10 million prospect to get a commitment to work with him. So there's definitely proof that Simon's teachings work not only in the real world, but in multiple languages and geographies. So here are three of my big takeaways from this episode. Number one, why in Simon's words, you can't sell complexity with complexity, you have to sell complexity with simplicity. This belief and the visual frameworks behind how he coaches it are game-changing. As a reminder, last call, this is a must as to why if you're listening on audio still right now, trust me, hit pause, go to bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 7-8 to watch the video with the full visual diagrams as Simon shares his screen, draws them out and explains the methodology behind them. Number two, the tech stack, AKA digital tools and apps that Simon uses to deliver these conversations 100% virtually and his framework for how to alter a traditional PowerPoint presentation to incorporate more visuals and create an interactive experience. And number three, how not only clearly defining your proprietary process, but also creating a visual model to accompany it can help you explain your value proposition more easily so that you can expand your advisor team and shorten your sales process. Okay, before we get to the show, as a special thank you to all of you Blueprint listeners, I had my team do a little extra work for you on this episode. Towards the end of the conversation, Simon not only draws out but also deconstructs what he calls the choreography or timing and cadence as well as the psychology behind his futures model. So I had my team pull just this clip, make it available on our website, make it super easy to learn and absorb and rewatch for those of you who'd like to put it into action. This is the same model I referenced earlier that I've had two different advisors reach out to me and share that they've had success with multi-million dollar prospects when using it in real life. This should make it easy for you to add it to your toolkit and easily refer back to it again and again. If you'd like access to the video, simply visit the show notes, bradleyjohnson.com forward slash seven, eight, click on the graphic directly at the top of the show notes to access the video. That simple. So that's it. As always, thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Simon Bowen. Simon, we're live. Welcome. Hey,
1: pleased to be here. Other side of the world, but just (laughs) pleased to be here.
0: Morning for me, evening for you. So thanks for uh, staying up a little later for the audience here, coming live from Australia. Pleasure. Well, Simon, as we kick off this conversation, I just want to throw it right to you out of the gates. If you were going to give advice to financial advisors out there right now, navigating this new virtual world we all live in, what would you share with them?
1: What people are looking for right now is they're not looking to be sold to they're looking to be led and that doesn't mean they're not going to buy so i think the tone of what the market's after these days is for someone to hug them and then challenge them to make some decisions you know so if we're if we're thinking about how we interact with people in the marketplace everyone wants a hug but you know the best clients then are willing to be challenged and have the question asked so what are you going to do? Are you going to not plan for your financial future anymore? You're just not going to be so... Hug and challenge is kind of the tone I've been saying to people. And figure out how to sell on Zoom. (laughs) Figure out how to sell on Zoom.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of that, uh, I think that's really good advice right now because that's what everybody's trying to figure out. So I'm going to give a little bit of background for those that aren't familiar with Simon Bowen. I've now heard... I'm trying to think the very first time I heard about you and really what you do, which is really hard to describe, by the way, as I was trying to describe it to the audience. But I know Taki Moore, I was at a dinner with him and he literally pulls out, we're talking about something and he pulls out a little notepad and starts sketching. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, do you know Simon Bowen? Because this is where I got this. And then the next thing I know, I'm talking to John Bowen, who runs C.E.G., and uh, obviously plays in the financial services space. The next thing you know, he's popping up a Zoom and he's sketching it out. And he's like, hey, you know Simon, right? And I know you were also at Mastermind Talks, Jason Gaynard, where we met briefly. So anyway, can you describe what it is? Your website is modelsmethod.com, but can you describe, and maybe you do it via sketch, whatever's easiest, what you do for financial advisors? Yeah,
1: well, the issue is a lot of people have a complex product or service that they sell and you can't sell complexity with complexity the only thing that sells complexity is simplicity and uh, so to be i I'm not a fan of the term thought leader because everyone's using it these days but to be the sage in the market you know to be the wise person in the market you need to be the person that captures complexity and distills it into something really simple but profound people I think, are a bit over. And the pandemic has really highlighted this and caused people to think about this. People are are way past perceived value now and they want profound value. And so for 25 years, we've been working with governments and big business and multinational companies and things like that, helping them sort of position into the marketplace and sell in really powerful ways. And uh, I'm I'm just going to actually step you through an example of what selling with a model is. So what we do is we capture these complex ideas and thoughts into visual frameworks and I'll explain why this works in a minute it's actually once people know why it works it just immediately makes sense but what I find helps is to give people an example and a totally unrelated example to financial services because it was probably interestingly the one example I thought I don't know that that's in our wheelhouse I don't know if that's something that the models would work for I'd been speaking at a conference and a lady came up to me at the break and said you know, but would your models work for my business? And I said, what is that? And she said, "It's a we sell expensive baby giftware. I went, oh, retail. Well, like, that's a dumb sector, you know. <laughs> so, are you online? No, she said, we've got a shop in the middle of Sydney, you know, and it's expensive. And I'm going, well, let me think about it. And uh, so um, sort of at that break, I said, well, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to get um, a piece of paper printed. Like this, and laminated, uh, because she's her salespeople are sixteen and seventeen year old schoolgirls, right, working part time on Saturdays and after school and stuff, and they're not, you know, they're not highly motivated um, to make the sale. They're, they're there to get paid for their hours and that's it. And uh, so I said, oh, I, you know, and trying to teach them how to sell is a challenge. So I said, I want you to get a bit of paper and I want you to get three circles printed onto it like that and have it laminated and get some. You know, whiteboard markers and put the paper under the counter with the whiteboard markers, and I want you to organise your shop like that according to those colours, which she did. And so people come in and say, "Hey, I've got to go to a baby shower or a christening or something like that, and I've got to buy a gift. Do you have any ideas?" They come up to the counter, and now the girls say, "Okay, look, you'll notice the shop is organised in colours the same as this piece of paper which they put up on the counter Uh, around the outside." In the green zone are gifts that um, acquaintances and uh, distant family would buy, and they range in price somewhere from $50 to $150. Uh, on the blue circle are gifts that uh, close friends and family would buy, and they're kind of $150 to 250 And in the middle of the store in the red zone, we call this the heart circle. These are the people that are going to have a meaningful impact on this child's life, and these gifts are kind of greater than $250. Tell me, what's your relationship to the child? Grandparents are spending $250 plus.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, close friends and family are spending $150 to $250. She, she contacted me, and I said, I don't know if it'll work, but that, that's kind of what came to my head, and try it, see what happens, you know. Um, she she kind of rang me. I don't know. About two weeks later, and and because I, I told her to get the people selling to have fun with it. So you know, someone says, "Oh, you know, I went to university with the mother." Oh, well, you'd be out on the green circle, and people fight to get off the green circle. They go, "No, no, no. We were very close at university. You know, I haven't seen it for ten years, but we were super close. Um, I'd be in the blue circle." Okay, well, the average spend per per uh, you know per customer has just gone up. And so we take we take the process of selling, and we turn it into these really powerful visual models. We've been able to take a a one hour to ninety minute financial planning conversation down to fifteen minutes and close the sale with you know with one model, quite quite powerful. We have a company in Australia called Austal Ships, um, and uh, they're a shipbuilding company, and they're currently building about fifteen percent of the US Navy fleet. And we can capture their entire offer in one visual model. We call it the Genius Model. It takes about ten minutes to walk through. And when they did that, you know, this is how we build and sustain ships for battle. Um, the rear admiral looking at, when how come no one's ever explained it to us like that before, and so succinctly. You know, when you when you capture complexity in a really succinct and simple way, people can't. You know, they can't not look at it. And so I'll share some models as we go through this today that, you know, are much more specific. Although, if you think about this from financial planning perspective, right, you could so easily ignore what's written on there at the moment. But a financial planner could so easily start a conversation with a prospective client saying, uh, look, there's kind of three levels of service people are usually looking for when they come to a financial planner there are those people that are looking for a you know off the shelf financial planning service Um, you know these folks are probably a a salary earner and they want a a retail super policy or something like that and they're going to wait until they're 65 and they'll probably see what they've got left at that point in time there are some people that are a little more um, deliberate about their financial planning And they still want to be able to access and utilise off-the-shelf services, but they do want some annual advice. And then there are people who really understand the importance of uh, staying on top of everything that's actually going on and they want some real expertise, ensuring and monitoring to the very best of their ability through a really customised and specific solution and you know really helpful for me to know what you're sort of looking for (laughs) and who's going to pick this you know now clearly the price goes up as you get closer to the center without us having to say that so you know we use this kind of model to take lowest price away from the buyer as an option before we even start talking about money uh, and get them to start to think about how they want to engage with us so you know, what, you know what, what, what are you looking for, some kind of uh, some annual advice with some sort of retail products and, you know, we're kind of checking everybody. You really want a customised, pretty focused, personalised uh, level of expertise in you know, your financial planning and you know, your wealth planning. And, uh, you know, most people really want to be in here. A lot will say, I, I want to be in here, but I'm probably going to have to take this because I'm not sure they're going to be able to afford that, but no one's going to want to buy this. There's a truth in human nature that is probably worth writing down. Um, You know, one of the best ways to sell is to sell to everybody's narcissistic self. Um, You know, uh, most people would love to be first. Most people want to win. But nobody wants to lose. And so, you know, when you position, without saying it, Because what I've just done with this model, there's a whole lot of psychology that sits below these models as as we build them. What I've just said with this simple little three-circle diagram is these people lose and these people win and these people are somewhere in the middle. Hey, where would you like to be? Without actually saying that. Now, no one wants to be out here with the crowd. Everyone wants to somehow be close to the centre. And so they're just three circles but stupidly powerful you know if used the right way so that's kind of an example of how we take story cell and sort of visuals and uh there's some pretty solid reasons for that and i'm happy to take any questions you've got um but but uh, i can also jump into why this works and then we can talk about some specific models that might be useful for to folks right now
0: yeah simon uh, <clears throat> so You'll notice I just stayed out of that conversation because this is so good. And so I wanted you to just walk through kind of the methodology as well as the psychology of, of how and why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. As a reminder to those watching the live stream right now, I'm going to be taking live questions. So the Virtual Advisor Facebook group, go ahead and hop out there. If you're not in the group yet, along with 500 financial advisors worldwide live streaming this, go to the virtualadvisorseries.com. And you can uh, enter the group and we'll take live Q&A and my team will be feeding that to Simon. So if you're in there watching right now, just go ahead. If you have questions, feed them in the comments and uh, my team will help facilitate those over to our side. So with that, Simon, what I would love, because I get peppered with these questions all the time, what is your rig setup as far as the technology you're using to do this right now? Because I know we're going to get a lot
1: of questions on that. Sure. Uh, So um, I'm using an iPad. With an Apple pencil, the pencil is the key. You know, one of the things about selling on Zoom, particularly, is when you when you lose the. Um, I'm just going to set this up for you. When you lose the power of being in the room with somebody, um, you lose the ability to sell off personality and presence, and so you've got to you've got to turn to process and performance. And so we view the models as process somewhat. So I'm using an iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil. It's the pencil that makes the thing work. Basically, iPad Pro, I'm using some software called Ecamm Live, which feeds into Zoom, but I'm on Mac. But on PCs, you can use things like Wirecast or OBS, uh, and they feed into Zoom, and that allows you to share the screen, put yourself up there in a thumbnail up in the right hand corner like I am I'm running two webcams uh, so one that's on me Uh, the um, iPad is connected straight to the computer so the iPad appears as a camera inside Ecamm Live so there's a couple of things that I can do I could um, if I turn off picture in picture we end up with this kind of and I'll you know I can end up in this bigger kind of view and have bigger screens for people so that I kind of write on it. Then I have another camera that is a webcam that's sitting over the top of my iPad because stupidly, as it turns out, people love to see and go figure, people love to see they go turn on your camera we'd love to see you draw we kind of want to see you drawing the way you do it and uh it's just much more organic you know when you it's much more engaging we've tested the whole drawing thing as opposed to using powerpoint slides and stuff and the drawing is much more effective when you draw you draw people in Mm. when you click through a powerpoint you push them away and uh but so this process of drawing organically although although we're digital we're going over, over a digital platform, uh, really engages with people in a different way. And now I've just flipped over to the iPad feeding straight in. So I'm using an iPad, Apple Pencil, and uh, an app called Notability. Uh, and I've tested lots and lots of drawing apps and uh, Notabilities. For working in front of audiences, Notability is, you know, the really best one I've come across. If people are on Windows devices The iPad will connect to it, but I also know a whole bunch of people that have bought an uh, Asus. You can get it like a a small Asus um, second screen for you know if you're traveling and it just sits next to your um, computer. And if you plug the Asus into a Windows computer and use um, Bamboo, which is an app, and the Asus pencil, that second screen actually acts as a tablet and lets you do the same sort of thing in bamboo. So there's ways technologically uh, to do this in any, any platform. Zoom has a whiteboard built into it, but you've got to draw with your mouse and it's just really, really clunky and difficult. So I, you know, I spent 25 years selling to corporate Australia and initially I used to go in with a, a large sketch pad, not lined paper, mm. and I'd draw in a sketch pad and people would say, hey, can I take a photo of that? And as soon as they say that, I know the sale's made. Yeah. And um, then when the iPads came out, I started drawing on the iPad at the table and they go, could we get a copy of that? And uh, I literally just go, well, let me email this to you. And, uh, you know, hit email and uh, email the note to them and uh, away they go. So before I've left the meeting, um, I've drawn a bunch of stuff, I've emailed the file and walked out of the room. And one of the issues is in today's world, you must operate with a technological advantage. If you don't show up with good tech, you're a dinosaur. Now, it doesn't matter if you're selling in tech industries or not. If you don't show up with good tech, you're a dinosaur. You know, if if as they interact with you, you don't use tech well, that's a problem in today's world. Not, you know, I'd rather not have to say that to people, but it really is. <laughs> so, well, especially, now what's
0: especially now. If it wasn't before sure. two and a half months ago, it is, it's 100% true now.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Simon, I want to throw you a question from the audience here. Uh, Alisio asks, can you draw
1: on top of a PowerPoint with this? Totally. <laughs> so, um, so PowerPoint on the iPad allows you to draw in it. The problem with drawing in PowerPoint is the pencil in PowerPoint is not that great. So this file that I'm drawing on at the moment is actually a PowerPoint file uh, that I've saved as a PDF mm. and pulled into Notability. And so I might have, uh, you know, as I walk through this file, I might shade things. And then on the iPad, if you just if you just pop up from the bottom like this, it'll it'll cut straight across to PowerPoint. I, I I don't have a presentation running at the moment, but I'll um. I'll just run one.
0: So, that, so basically what you did with that PDF, you saved some blank slides that just had the, the model correct. method kind of watermarked up in the top corner there.
1: Yeah, so correct. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I might be running a PowerPoint, you know, going through a series of exercises, and then I might have, this is just a random PowerPoint I've picked up, and then I might have something loaded into Notability. If I just drag up from the bottom, I'll flip straight across to Notability. Mm-hmm. So I can flip in and out of PowerPoint and Notability at will and run a super effective presentation off the iPad. Mm. Um, I do all my Drawing in Notability because it's just a better program. And I, I mostly draw. I seldom use slides mm. um, just because of the engagement level.
0: Have you, um, in your travels, because I know you make it to the U.S. quite a bit, or mm-hmm. when we could travel. Prior to February, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now you're traveling virtually. So um, <laughs> yeah. did you ever cross paths with a guy named Dan Kennedy? uh
1: Uh, well uh, not personally not not personally i know uh i i've been in uh some of his rooms Uh and and i got a whole bunch of people that have been in his inner circle and things like that but um and there's a guy in australia called mal emery who's probably been the biggest kind of um dan kennedy messenger into australia who's a very close personal friend of mine so um well, yeah, because he got he, he got really unwell, didn't he? For a while, he
0: did. I think I think he recovered, um, but yeah. he was he was in rough shape for a bit. Um, yeah. Well, the the reason I ask is going back to I wrote it down. Drawing draws people in. It yeah. reminded me of something Dan Kennedy said. I was in a training with him probably 15 years ago. Now he was telling a story about Houdini, and one of the reasons he became this world famous magician was the concept of dramatic demonstration. Sure. And so, you know, that the escape from a straitjacket was not a big, that was like a common trick back then. The Mm. difference was he would just hang himself upside down, 15 stories up, you know, raised up feet first by a crane. And it just talked about the way he communicated the trick and demonstrated the trick is what led him to be the most famous. And what connected right there is you could easily have these pre-drawn and on a PowerPoint. Yeah, totally. But you're basically using that dramatic demonstration where you're doing it on the fly, very organically, yeah. conversationally, that's kind of drawing people in. Can you go into some of the psychology or why you do it the way you do it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about using models, you know, a model for us is three things. And we actually usually start with geometry. Geometry gives you the dimensions that you're playing with in that particular idea and the dynamic. So a triangle is a three-part dynamic and you need all three sides, otherwise the whole thing collapses Mm. as opposed to a three-circle Venn diagram says if you've got all three, that's great, but, you know, if you lose one of them, you still get something. Mm. And so geometry sets out a dynamic and it also sets out a number of dimensions that you're working with. Then the second aspect of the model is the information that's in it, and that's specifically context and content. Now context gives everything meaning. Everything meaning. Imagine you buy a brand new car and it's the first new car you've ever bought. It's got 19-inch alloy rims and the darkest street-legal window tint you can get and it looks fantastic and you pick it up at 5 o'clock so everyone sees you driving home and uh, you drive through a little bit of bush or we call it bush, you would call it, I suppose, woods or forest or something and this little 10-year-old kid steps out in front of the car and throws the rock at the car and smashes the headlight, and then just stands there, you know, what do you do? And most people say, oh, you get out and shake him. You say, what the hell do you think you're doing? He says, sorry, mister, I didn't want to do that, but I was out for a walk after school with my mum and she's collapsed in the the woods back there and I don't know if she's alive. I need help. Mm -hmm. Now, his action is dangerous no matter what. The action of throwing the rock at the car is dangerous. But the context that his mother's collapsed is desperate and dangerous. If he was just hanging around with his mates after school, he's delinquent and dangerous. Mm -hmm. The context gives a different meaning and elicits a different response and then the concept is how you address it. Every model should carry context and concept. One of the things that uh, gets lost in the sale all the time is the context. Context is why this really matters and here's what it is. And where we tend to go in the sale most often is here's what it is and then here's how we do it. Mm. And then this just gets lost. And the moment that's lost, the buyer has no, no, no frame of reference Uh, And then the third, and, you know, John Bowen uh, often says, you've got to be a master of framing in today's world, you know. Uh, And then the third thing that we really realised was if we build really powerful choreography where we walk a pathway through the model and then we deliver punchlines at certain points, tell me, what's your relationship with the child is a punchline. So I studied stage magic and comedy to be able to create choreography for models and the joke setup up and, and the trick is really a pathway to set the viewer up and then you have a reveal or a punchline to, to switch paradigms in a hurry. And when that paradigm switches, everything changes. So we have a structure to what we're doing and there's a reason, there's a reason why this stuff works. But, and two models will tell us that. If I think about the vertical as an intensity scale from high to low... And the horizontal is time and effort. The time and effort required to get someone to adopt your, you know, to align with your idea. The two most important systems in business is the system for thinking and the system for influence. Now, people don't think of them as systems, but a business is only as good as the idea on which it's built. That's a Michael Gerber thing. And so when I talk to people, I talk about your business is only as good as the idea on which it's built and the thinking of the leaders that are leading the business. So what's your system for thinking? And then what's your system to influence people to make choices in your favour towards that idea? But if you've got a great system for thinking and a great system to influence, most of the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. So what's your system to influence? Staff to work hard, suppliers to serve you, customers to buy from you, banks to lend you money, regulators to... Stay out of your way. What's what's your system for thinking and influence? And we realised, you know, I get hired by the government. They put 200 people in the room that are warring about something with each other and collectively are all warring with the government Mm -hmm. on a policy and they say, you've got two hours to get them to agree. And I go, okay, that's been my job for 25 years and it's not a particularly stunning plan. If I've got two hours, I just frustrate them for 90 minutes Uh, and try and get to the three-quarter mark. And at the three-quarter mark, I I say, I think I can draw this for you. And I go to the whiteboard and I draw a model and start getting them to fill it in with me. And we get a model at the end and they go, oh, why don't you just show us that at the start? But the truth is we didn't have it at the start. You know, I facilitated it out of the room. But you've got to build enough energy in the room for them to want to actually work together. Mm. And so, you know, for 90 minutes, like, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? What do you think about that? And they kind of go, we're not leaving here without something. Okay, great. I think I could draw this. Let's draw a model. So what what actually happens is humans, and this is such a key thing in selling, humans have a high level of intensity for resistance. We are hardwired for resistance. We have an automatic system for saying no. Your customer has an automatic system for saying no And we know that's true because if you go into a shop and the shop assistant says, may I help you, you'll say, no, thanks, just looking. Mm -hmm. But why? I mean, they came up and offered to help. Three minutes later, you go up to them and go, have you got one of these things? Like, why did you say no? It's hardwired. Now, that by itself is enough of an issue. But on the other side of this, we have a low intensity and no automatic system for acceptance. Now, the moment I kind of realised this model, conversion is simply the process of the reversal of these two curves. That's all. Simply the process. So flipping the curves. Prior to that, we've got this whole period in here where we're selling and trying to influence. And because people want to do it in the shortest possible time with the least amount of effort, they tend to resort to pressure. And if you fill a vessel with pressure, you just Expand the sides of the vessel. You push the curves apart. We figured out that if we put a model in front of people, the curves flip almost immediately. I'll explain why that happens in a minute. We get to hop over to the other side of this, and instead of sell, we can facilitate. So imagine an architect saying during this phase, I've got a great idea for a house. You should build it. Let me talk you through that. And they could talk as much as they like, and you, the curves will not flip. But then the architect says, let me show you a model of the house, which is a floor plan, a model of the house. You go, oh, I like that. That looks good. Now it's not the architect in a verbal contest with you. It's the architect and you working on the house together Mm. and everything changes. Now the architect goes, well, how many PowerPoints do you want in every room? Where do you want to put this door? How many windows do you want in each room? Now we're working on this thing together. Well, exactly the same thing happens when we put a model in front of somebody. When people go into that gift shop, we're working on this together and we, you know, we pop out the other side of the curve. It's, it's incredibly powerful in terms of how fast. What, what a model gives you is speed because there's so much you just don't need to say. Think about how much harder it would have been for me to ex- explain this without the model. hmm wouldn't have been able to, you know, in all likelihood.
0: But Putting me behind that old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words.
1: Oh, totally a picture worth a Well, human language is limited. And if we think about how people receive information, and then I'd like to get onto some stuff, you know, from a financial planning perspective.
0: Simon, this is so good, I don't want to interrupt. We've got like three questions, but I'm going to keep rolling and I'll, I'll feed them to you once you've kind of
1: completed. Well, I'll plan. do this one model and then we'll go to some questions, right? If we just communicate with people in words only, now that's spoken or written because even the written word people read out to themselves in their head, right? Mm -hmm. If we think about how information comes to us from the world around us, it comes in through the senses, right? Um, 3% comes in through taste and smell and licking and sniffing are not recommended selling strategies. so So they don't count. They're gone, right? About... Three or four percent comes in through kinesthetic touch. Eleven percent comes in through the ears, auditory. Eighty-three percent comes in through the eyes. Why would you not use that eighty-three percent? And the ears are logical. Here is what you should do: blah blah blah. People go, I'll think about that. The eyes are emotional. You hear a really sad news story on the radio. And then on the evening news, you see it on the television. You get a much bigger reaction when you see it on the television. And so the first thing that we're endeavouring to do is to, uh, first of all, let me cover this bit down here. When we just use words, the listener says, okay, I hear you, but you know what? It's just noise. If we give people visual access to your context and concept, uh, they kind of go, okay, up here, and they go, uh, oh, I see. Well, that's interesting. When we see stuff, it, it becomes interesting to us. Then if we give people, because the human brain is a, is a meaning-making machine, it wants to make sense of things, and making sense of things is, is, is really about giving it structure. So when we give people structural access, because we could use, over here, we could use stock images. But there's no structure in an image, in a stock image, like a photo of somebody. You know, two people shaking hands. What the hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. But if we give people structural access, what we end up with down here is them saying, right, I, uh, okay, I get it. I get the structure. I get it. And now this becomes believable. Once I get the structure, it becomes believable. And so when we can get people into that situation where they're saying, okay. Uh, I see, I get it, and now this is desirable. But there's another kind of zone to this model. It's this little corner up here. I call it the super green zone. If these were scales from 1 to 10, in terms of how you deliver a model, if you deliver a model above an 8 on both of those scales through great choreography, desirable turns into buyable and buyable at speed. So... Why would you ever continue to just sell in that quadrant? Mm. And why would you use a medium like Zoom and just sell in these two quadrants as opposed to the opportunity to actually do both of these two things? Yeah, why would you have the talking head on Zoom without some kind of structure, some kind of visual framing for people? And I know that the sale is working when I hear people taking photos at their end. <laughs> when I hear people clicking the camera... Yeah. Now, I've been cheeky in the sale. You know, I've heard when I'm making a, a sale, one-to-one to a client, I've heard someone take a photo of the camera. I go, you know what, rather than taking photos, why don't we just work together? <laughs> and they go, yeah, right. What does that look like? Well, you pay me. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and we start. It's kind of pretty simple. And so it's super powerful. There's a lot of psychology behind why it works. It's The last thought, and then we'll deal with those questions, from the time we're little children, what's the first thing a child puts on paper? What's the very first thing a child puts on paper?
0: Well, I've got three, so I should, I should be able to answer this. I'm thinking the little stick person is one yeah. of the drawings.
1: They go like this, and you go, oh, is that mummy? And they go, yes. You go, oh, you're so clever. It's so wonderful. You're amazing. And all they draw is circles, squares, triangles, and lines. And so people sometimes say to me, I'm not good at drawing. I'm saying, can you draw a circle, can you draw a square, draw a triangle, draw a line? They go, yeah, well, that's it. That's all you need. Every model is made up of that somehow. And from a very young age, they draw these pictures and they get such positive feedback Mm -hmm. that this kind of imagery evokes a really positive, deep emotional response. Then they go to school and in school they say, no, you've got to form your A like that. Have another go. And so the written word becomes onerous mm. and a lot of people have a very negative reaction to language and the oldest form of communication, we, you know, our Indigenous people, 60,000 years old, the oldest forms of communication are cave art. And so when we do this stuff, we're hitting really deep psychological triggers for people in terms of how it engages with them. So there's a ton of psychology behind this thing. But um, do you want to dive into the questions? And then I then I want I, I just want to leave people with a couple of models tonight that will help them with their selling straight away.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I knew we were going to run into this, Simon. It was too much good stuff in a short amount of time. <laughs> so we'll, we'll try to keep going. A question from Melinda. What are your thoughts on pre-recording versus organically creating? Do you do anything where you sell on pre-recorded webinars with drawings?
1: Yeah, yeah. So particularly selling on Zoom, but in any sale, if you think about the emotional movements of a sale, when once a customer realises they, okay, there's something that I need to resolve, a problem, there's tension and tension kind of causes them to go, who, who could help me with this thing? Like who in the market could help me and why would I do this? And so we uh, have a couple of models that we call pre-frame models. We use the bell curve in a certain way. And these pre-frame models are basically saying to the customer, we've worked with so many people in this space that we know that people are either red, yellow, light green, or dark green. This is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. Where are you? These are highly calibrated, these models, so that we know that the bulk of your customers will drop into these two zones, into the yellow zone. Mm. And uh, they kind of go, I'm in the yellow zone and I want to be there. Now, the fact that you're putting the model in front of them it automatically implies that you can solve that problem for them. That can easily be presented as a, recorded, you know, as a recorded piece. Once this tension is established, then desire kicks in and this is them saying, what is it exactly? What do I get from this? And uh, we use a, a, an iceberg, which is really a triangle, which kind of outlines superficial value, useful value, and a deeply meaningful value and i want to demonstrate this a little later when they go okay i want this the next thing is, is uh, confidence so i got this desire for it but i need confidence how does this happen and our flagship model is the thing we call the genius model which captures the genius of your business and what you do in a framework that takes about seven to eleven minutes to walk through and leaves them with no doubt that you actually hold the solution And then once they get through confidence, it's about commitment. These are the emotional movements of the sales process. And commitment is really about when should I do this? And when is this thing we call the futures model? Do you want to be on the green line going up, the red line going down, or the yellow line in the middle staying about the same? And understand that the longer this goes on, the bigger the gap gets. So when would be a good time to start? (laughs) And they go, well, now seems like a good time. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? And there's a choreography through all of these. And there's a really big kind of concept in selling. I want to draw a line down through the middle. The how is the tipping point. So everything up to this point, when a customer shows interest, they're kind of building desire, and in the first half of the how, they're doing that because of their situation, because of what's going on for them. Kind of right now. And that causes them to have interest in you and other people. The decision to purchase from you specifically, you specifically on the other side, is a result. And this is the big thing that I really want people to get is a result of their history, them and others. So, what I mean by that, they haven't been too good at sorting this out themselves in the past. And neither have other people been too good at helping them. So people buy you specifically because of their history, not because of your skill. And so what they need, people, every sale is an insurance policy. They're buying you because somehow they see you as a form of insurance. And so this model, this genius model, is an insurance policy to say we've got such a tight framework on this, you know that's going to work. And if the model's well built, they look and go, that's totally going to work. Uh, and no one else has actually explained it to me like this. So we would normally say, you can use video on all of these. We almost always deliver this live because that's your big reveal, right? Uh, and we usually do this live because that's the big reveal. So in a sales sequence, you know, you might you might have a pre-recorded evergreen webinar or something like that here. An, an email sequence has a couple of little videos in it. Then the sales conversation in here where you cover off the last two models in the process, and it's slightly different from different industries and things like that, Uh, and the price point of the product and so on. It needs to kind of be mapped out. But here's the thing. Even if you do models badly, they work. You know, all the time I've got people ringing me going, I messed it up completely, but it's still sold. It's just ridiculous because, A, very few people are doing it, and, B, they just resonate they just connect. I had a client last week, we'd built this model and they said they went blank, they'd articulated these middle bits and they went blank and couldn't remember what the three big circles were. And I said, what did you do? And they said, so I asked the audience, what do you think on that side and on that side, what do you think we need at one and two in order to get this thing here? And the audience went blah, 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 blah. And it triggered his thought and went, yeah, it's this thing. And what about this one down here? Blah, 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 He said, yeah, it's this thing. Now, but he put the audience's words into the model. Yeah. Okay, what do we need on this side? Oh, blah, 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 Okay, What's well, this thing. Now the audience has built the model. It's really hard to disagree with the model you built. Mm. And at the end he goes, so that's what we do to help people who'd like to join us. And everyone's just built the model they're about to buy because you can facilitate. People want to fill in the gaps. And I, I did a, um, I put a blog post. I put a Facebook and LinkedIn post up the other day that said, if you think about the total available market that you can sell to, total available market, getting to the point where you have a really high conversion rate, there's really three key steps. Step one, step two, step three. Now, step one is having a super tight market to message match. Unfortunately, I only have 1,300 characters available to, be available to me on the LinkedIn post and I'm not going to be able to finish those off for you today. <laughs> and ended the post. And people went nuts and started com- contacting me going, I've got to know what those other two are. I've got to come to the webinar. I'm going to complete this model in the webinar. An empty space in a model is a classic open loop. People can't stand an empty space, an unanswered question, an unsolved problem. And so I, I just leave an empty space and people are just like, smashing the webinar registration because they want to know what those two other spaces are. Yeah. You know, it's just at every level, it's super powerful. Yeah. Other questions.
0: Yeah. So, well, number one, you're resonating because we've got Dave in Washington that was typing in questions at 6 30 AM. So, so well done there. So here's, <laughs> here's, here's his question, which I think actually leads to your offer that you made available in the virtual advisor Facebook group. Do you have books, ebooks, recorded materials? I know you're doing a, a webinar this Friday, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, which is just like, well, it's probably Thursday evening in the US. It's Friday morning here. So it's in just like, I don't know, 36 hours time or something like that. The other thing I might do is um, just let me, uh, what I will do is I'm going to p- pop a link in. We, we use the bell curve to reposition price in a super powerful way we use the bell curve to take price out of conversation and i've got a little video uh and a, and a seven part checklist on how to convert that bell curve and if people kind of go to that link uh, it will ask for their you know their name and email address but they'll go to a little page with a little video and uh a seven point checklist checklist on how to customize the bell curve model to kind of deal with price um we're doing a masterclass um via zoom in about 36 hours time we're going to talk about you know, what's the difference between selling on Zoom versus selling in a room with people? What are the models that you would use when you're selling on Zoom? And, uh, you know, how do models kind of change the conversion rate? I'm going to fill in these two gaps for people. If they go to our website, modelsmethod.com, that which I think you, you've already got, there's a bunch of videos on... We have a quick video page, and so there's a bunch of videos on modelsmethod.com where I'm drawing on my glass board and explaining a whole bunch I'd put a video into social media probably about every 10 days and so there's a bunch of little videos on there that people can watch and things like that we'll just get them thinking get your brain thinking in you know thinking in models my goal is i just finished something at war room and ryan dice said you know i think you've just created a new vocabulary for business which is kind of a nice way to think about it and that got me thinking and so i really you know we're we're seeing models as a different way of expressing and there's a there's a truth if you have value and the customer is over here, this has no value at all until your expression of that value allows them to get it. Mm. All value is meaningless until it's expressed. And somebody challenged me on that on LinkedIn today and said, well, what about a masterpiece? What about a painting, a masterpiece that, you know, no one's bought, no one sees it, that's still got value. I go, no, it doesn't actually. (laughs) it's
0: if no one says it simon you just described the biggest disconnect the biggest gap in financial services i mean that i've been doing this for over a decade now and there's so many amazing advisors out there that are building these holistic like masterpieces these amazing plans yeah but yet yet when you ask them why is it your clients choose you yeah They, they freeze up and the next thing you get is a bunch of bulleted lists of just Industry jargon, yeah. and and what's and that's why I wanted to have you on here because literally, you're taking it next level up. It's like you don't even have to say it; you just draw it visually, and they get it. Yeah. So um, you've worked in financial services um, with financial services firms for yeah. a long time. Anything you want to chime in, just based on your experience, the disconnect there and that gap.
1: The biggest problem I see, you know, when I'm working with people in in you know, the financial services space is that professionals working in the financial services space act as if the customer, at some level, gets it. And the truth is they just don't. They don't think they're going to retire. They don't think they're going to run out of money. They don't think they're going to get old. They don't think it. But like they just don't, you know. And I think everybody thinks they can recover it at some point. You know, I had badly injured my back in Mexico in October and I haven't been able to drive a car since. So I came out of the out of four weeks in rehab on the spinal ward in December with a wheelchair and a walking frame and everything else. and I'm not using any of those devices now, but was that a wake-up call? I mean, stuff happens. <laughs> so people don't get it. And I think in the financial services sector, people think the product carries the day. Mm. that if you say to people, "Here's the product, here's you know these will be the returns. this is how it works, blah blah, blah. And people just don't get you know for for the most part, People are numerically illiterate. The average reading age in Australia, the average adult reading age in Australia, is twelve. I don't know about the US, but I suspect it's about the same. The average adult reading age is twelve. That's a staggering statistic. So I could say to somebody, "Well, you've got to plan for your future. You know, you've got to kind of work out your money. You've got to work out your finances, and you've got to plan for the future." Or I could go back to that model I was drawing. Go, you know, as we sit here, as we sit here right now. Brad, you know, let's imagine your client. Here's what we know for sure, that the simple passing of time will mean that you will be in your future financial situation at some point down the track, right? And if you just be the client with me for a few minutes, yeah. at a point where you want to retire, and I'm guessing you want to have enough money to retire here. Is that true? Very. Yeah, how many years would that be?
0: Oh, let's see. 15, 20.
1: Okay, so 15, 20 years. So here's the thing. When you get there, you'll be in one of four situations. You'll be in an ideal financial situation. How much money would you have for you to consider that to be ideal? Good question. So just be like a client and the way they think. Let's say
0: let's say two million
1: dollars. Two million, great. So that would be ideal. You could be in an okay situation. It's not ideal, but it's okay. How much would that be? 1 million. Okay. Now, sadly, there's this situation below the line where you're in a poor situation. What would that figure look like?
0: 500,000.
1: And the truth is some people are going to get to that point in the future and they're going to be in crisis. Obviously, less than 500K is a real crisis, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. So people think the path from where they are now to the future is a straight line, but it's not. It's a curve the line down to crisis accelerates away more rapidly as time goes on and that's happening because people drift the drift always heads downwards now you know the amber line is also a form of drift it's just not as steep the people that kind of end up in a in an okay situation and definitely for those people that end up in an ideal situation occurs because they make decisions the difference between ideal and crisis is drift versus decision that makes sense to you
0: yeah very
1: much if this was line 1 and this was line two and this was line three and this was line four do you have any idea what line you're on right now two okay you're on line two perfect now if we calibrate this right like if we set up the instrument and calibrate right we calibrate so most people are going to land on three okay but let's say you're on two but you can see that if you're on two but you drop that's problematic
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know if you if you're on two here and you kind of start drifting off and you don't notice it, is that going to be a problem? Yeah. Particularly if you don't notice it. And the thing about the early stages is we often don't notice. Like when are you you most going to notice this? Ten years out. Yeah, kind of halfway down, right, which is not great. So if you're on line three, bearing in mind that we would have calibrated the tool, can you see that trying to make the jump close to the time is going to be impossible, Mm -hmm. risky, expensive? hard does that make sense
0: yeah
1: so if you're on line four or three or even two i don't know line one may or may not feel a long way away from you right now but right now in this moment line one is as close as it's ever going to be for you Mm. right now and so you know the first big decision is to jump lines the second decision is to do something that makes sure you ride the curve There is a third opportunity available to people. Do you have any sense of what that might be? Do nothing? No, no. Doing nothing's drift. Yeah. The third third opportunity for the people that really want to pour into this is to accelerate that result and make it happen much sooner for the people that are really serious about this. Mm. My question is, how long do you want to wait before you jump lines? It's good. But then you just got to wait and shut up. Yeah. And let it stew for a bit. Yeah. And they'll probably say, well, how do I jump lines? Glad you asked. Let's prepare a financial plan. You know, in Australia, that's going to be five grand. But when we put a financial plan together using our framework, that gets you under the line at the start. That model has taken sales conversations down to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. People go, I've got to start now. And in Australia, they've got all sorts of legal processes they've got to go through. You know, they've got to send them off to a lawyer and the lawyer's got to make sure that they know what they're signing and all this sort of stuff but uh, they go no no we've got, to, we've got some process to get through but we can get started right now people get real impatient once they see this the financial services sector is probably the sector where this model is most potent and then when it's backed up with a powerful framework for how you're going to get them on the green line and help them stay there it just becomes potent but people this is not about the product this sale is never about the product. The sale is about their future and the insurance they're trying to buy on that future. Does, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's funny, the words that you've used without any preframing whatsoever for me, one of my most popular podcasts ever is titled Process Versus Product. on <laughs> the exact same concept. So. Yeah. No, we're speaking the same language here, Simon. And by the way, I want to respect your time. I know sure. we're running you into bedtime in Australia, and this has been an amazing hour. Thank you so much. So, as a reminder for those watching the live stream, so if you're in the Virtual Advisor Facebook group, a couple of ways to get there just go to Facebook, search for Virtual Advisor, it should pop right up. Ask to join the group, or we've also created a website, thevirtualadvisorseries.com, where Simon's conversation and all past conversations are on there. And then there's also information to join the group. Everything that Simon's talked about, all of the offers, the registration for his uh, webinar on Friday, they're in the group right now. So if you want to join, just hop in there and snag those. And I'll hit you with one last question from Paul, where we call it a day, Simon. He says, when you say the word choreography, which you've referenced a few times, what what does that mean when you say choreography?
1: So... You know, it's interesting, the comment you made about process, not product. The entire sales sequence for a start should be a highly choreographed performance, time-based. You know, you don't want unnecessary gaps between steps and things like that. But when I walked through this model, the model has two pathways. So it has a time-based pathway on the horizontal and an outcome-based pathway on the vertical. So I walked some very specific pathways. I walked time-based first. Mm. I started from best to worst on the outcome when I was just articulating the outcomes and calibrating you, and then I worked from worst to best when I put the lines on there because I wanted you to feel the heat of the red line first before you started. So you, were naming, you
0: were naming the lines. You went yes, yeah,
1: correct, correct. Yep. And so I had some very specific pathways that I was walking through, and then there were two punchlines that occurred right now you're as close as you're ever going to be you can't put that out of your head once that's being said to you and how long do you want to wait before you do something about this how long do you want to wait before you jump lines we do three things for people we help them jump lines we help them ride the curve we help them accelerate the result your part of it as the customer is to choose when you're going to do this so how long are you going to wait and Right now, as it's you're going to be, now would be a good time. So without me actually saying, you've got to do this now. So choreography is none of the way that we walk through these models and the language we use is accidental. You know, it's, it's a choreographed performance of the model. It's a story told inside a framework. I hope that kind of explains. We've got a whole kind of science behind the choreography and, and, and how we build that and how, how we work with choreography. But a model, you know, without it, it's just a static thing on paper and they will make up their own version of it. So if you just put this model in front of somebody on a piece of paper, they'll go, yeah, I'm on the green line. So I'm cool. I'm great. But when you walk through the choreography and you calibrate them, you get them to choose what line they're on. And you're actually, once they sink into the model, they bought, bought the model. You need them to drop inside the model. That, sense?
0: Um, yes, that explains perfectly. I'm glad Paul asked that. How many of your clients... Just say once they get this, and once they start to incorporate it, I, what I see this alleviating is sales pressure from the actual exactly. person presenting the model. Because it's like I don't have to sell anymore. It's like here is the value I provide. Do you want it? I mean, right. do you get a lot? Do you get that a lot?
1: Yeah, all the time. And. You know, conversion rates always go up straight away and the, the most common thing we get is clients saying, the customers start asking, how do, you know, like, when do we start, how do we start and that sort of thing. But part of the reason I started building these as sales tools because originally I built them as delivery tools, but the, part of the reason I started building sales tools is because people struggle to sell, you know, in terms of their nervousness and everything else. But sales, to scale a business, you must be able to scale your selling. If you can't scale your selling, you can't scale the business. That means if you're the founder of the business, often the founder of the business is the best salesperson, right? It's not because they're good at selling. It's actually because of something people don't sort of think about. The reason the founder is often the best salesperson is because they have the authority to be the best salesperson. Mm -hmm. They can make up whatever deal they like to close the sale. They've got the authority to go, sure, we'll give you payment terms. Sure, we'll discount that. Sure, we'll throw you this extra stuff in. They've got the authority to make the sale work and a salesperson doesn't. And so to scale your business, you've got to be able to scale your selling through at least two generations of salespeople down from the founder. And so what we were trying to create with the models is a framework of the conversation that you just pass on to the next generation. And so people come into the biz and you go, hey, watch those videos. You'll see us walking through the choreography of the model. Just do that and it'll sell. You know, let the model do the heavy lifting, basically, is my argument. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, Simon, I'm, I'm going to let you call it a day. It's been a long day. It's late there in Australia. <laughs> so Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. I had high expectations. I mean, obviously, your work precedes you. And yeah, you, you over-delivered on every level. So thank you so much. I know you brought a ton of value to the audience here today.
1: Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope there's stuff in there that people can use and there's some useful videos on the website. If people kind of have a look at the, there's some videos there about value, particularly some interesting kind of things to think about in terms of three levels of value and stuff that, you know, if they kind of figure out which videos we watch first, I'd watch the videos about value, but uh, been a pleasure being on the, I miss my trips to the US, but at least I get to (laughs) speak to people.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, one of these days when things open back up, I've, I've got a reason to come hang in Australia now, too. Oh, so. yeah.
1: It's a pretty great place. <laughs> right.
0: Thanks, Simon. All right. And no until problem. Next time, my friend. See you later. Bye-bye. All right. We'll see you. Thanks for listening into this week's show. On to this week's featured review. It comes to us from user Draper73, who says, great listening, five stars. Enjoy the insight and format of this podcast. No fluff, just straight to the point information meant to serve your clients better. Highly recommend listening. Draper73, thanks for taking the time to put your thoughts down, share the review. And you know that's what helps other advisors find the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And just speaking to the format of the podcast, I mean, that's really been, especially with this virtual advisor series, as I hear advisors question over and over, how do I do appointments virtually? How do I market virtually? That's why I'm bringing guests like Simon Bowen on. Like As you can tell, for those of you that watched the episode, so if you didn't, if you just listened to audio, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Go back, watch the video. This was no fluff from Simon. So many actionable ideas, so many even phrases if you deconstruct how simon shared the visuals and the diagrams and the choreography behind them that's really my goal is just give you real actionable things that can help you serve your clients at a higher level so i'm glad to hear that's hitting home for you draper 73 once again thanks for listening in being a part of our community and sharing your thoughts out there in a review so with that being said podcasting is not my full time gig i also do happen to consult along with my team, financial advisors from all over the US. Morten from Sweden, even connected with him, as I said in the intro. So now I'm seeing advisors from all over the world starting to come in and listen to the podcast. And so if you're out there and you'd like to understand how our team might be able to help you build that practice that you wanted to build, not the one that you feel like you're a slave to, one that actually is intentionally designed to serve you and your family and your goals in life, If you'd like to apply to have a conversation with us, go out to bradleyjohnson.com forward slash apply. Super easy. It's about a five minute interactive just form where we can understand a little bit more about your practice, the structure, what's working, and maybe some of the gaps that are getting in the way of where you want to go. And no strings attached, we'll hop on, do a virtual conversation and see if there might be some synergy on how we can help. So that's it. Thanks for listening in to this latest episode and I will catch you on the next show. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint. For access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from our show's guests, visit bradleyjohnson.com. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners. It really does help. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. The information and opinions contained here